Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. How you doing this morning? Great. Pretty good? Now, last week we started a new series called Working for the Weekend. I know, funny title. Working for the Weekend. And we're going to do part two today. And so that's what I want to talk about. Let's turn over to Exodus. We're going to start there this morning. I'm going to give you part two of working for the weekend. So Exodus 4 and verse 1 in the New Living. It says, but Moses protested again. This is Moses arguing with God pretty much. He says, what if they won't believe or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? In verse 2, then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it down on the ground. The Lord told him, so Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. And Moses reached out and grabbed it, but it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. In verse five, perform this sign. The Lord told him, then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. So today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, What's in Your Hand? What's in Your Hand? So today I want to talk about how to find your calling. How to find your calling. Now, today is going to be both very practical and also spiritual. So you need to work with me today because I'm going to say a lot of practical wisdom from God's word, but it also is going to be spiritual at the same time. Now, you got to understand that God cares about practical stuff. Now, sometimes we over-spiritualize everything like God doesn't care, but read your Bible. God cares about everything. He cares about the practical stuff. Read the book of Proverbs. If you just did the book of Proverbs every day, your life would get better. And the whole book of Proverbs is just practical wisdom on how to live, on how to treat people, on how to go to work, on how to handle your money, on how to do your life. The whole book is practical wisdom that God said, if you do it this way, your life will get better. Your life will go the direction it should. So God cares about not just the spiritual side of your life. He cares about all of your life. And God has a lot of practical wisdom in his word on how we should live. And if we do it God's way, what have I been saying? We get God's results. If we go his direction, we get his design for our life. So um, it's important that we give you both spiritual and practical help today. Now, I, I encouraged you this last week, and I know you're a responsive church. Some, some days you don't always act that way. But. But you are deep down inside, and I noticed last week was very quiet, and I know it's because I'm talking about the subject of work. So let's not let that happen twice in a row. Are we in agreement? Are we in agreement? From the front to the back, are we in, in agreement? Okay, okay. Um, um, because I noticed a couple times lately, especially last week, there's like, there was like two people in the front row, and it was dead silence <laughs> beyond that. So as we talk about work today again in your calling let's respond to this uh, because I'm trying to help you I want to help you if you let your pastor help you I can help you today okay so we want to talk about how to find your calling I got a lot to say so we're going to be here a while I said now come on I said respond um Quick recap of last week because that will, that will lay the groundwork for where we're going today. Now, last week we talked about working for the weekend and the whole idea of the title, and usually I don't title stuff like this anymore. I used to when I was a youth pastor. Everything I said was a joke. You know, I, I just, I had the most creative titles. I don't try to do that as much anymore. I'm getting older. Uh, I just tell you what the, the message is going to be about. But we titled it Working for the Weekend because... This whole series is about work and your calling and, and, and resting and doing your life the way that God's called you to do it. Uh, but I titled that because that's the mentality that most people have about their work, about their job. Is I'm working this job just so I can get to the weekend to do what I really want to do, but I don't like it when I'm at work all week. Now, I understand that, but that's not God's best for your life. Many people hate their job. 
Many people are there just for a paycheck. I'm just working to get a paycheck. I'm just working to get to the weekend. I'm working so I can get outside of work and then do what I really want to do and have my real life. Or a lot of people are just bored at work. They're, they're tired of it. Uh, they're, they're beyond it, but they realize I got to work or I'm not going to have a house or food or clothes. And um, we've seen this even since COVID. Uh, they call it the great resignation that millions and millions of people have quit their jobs in the past several years because they were just like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And COVID was a good way to get on out of there. And so a lot of people changed jobs because they felt that way for a long time. And then something dramatic like that happened. They're like, I'm out of here. Hear me this morning. That's not God's best or will for your life to feel that way about your work and the call that you have on your life. But we got to talk about this in church because God cares about that because all of your life belongs to him. Every part of your life. And he wants you to, especially if work is going to take up such a majority of your life, he doesn't want you to waste it. The Bible says that we need to make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. God doesn't want you to spend one third of your life at work, hating it, acting like you shouldn't be there. It's not your call. It's not God's will, but you're just there for a paycheck. God doesn't want you to waste one third of your life. The average person works 90,000 hours in their lifetime or more. God doesn't want you to use all those hours and they're just pointless, meaningless hours. No, God has a plan for you. Do you believe that? I believe that. And God cares about your work. Now, we talked about that in the beginning is our example. In Genesis, God made this world, and it said he worked for six days, and then he rested on the seventh. Now, God was giving mankind a pattern on how to work and how to rest. Now, we see that when he made mankind, he didn't make man, Adam and Eve, to just sit in the garden and drink lattes. It was not a vacation they went on when they got to the garden. The language in Genesis is when he made mankind, he made them to rule, which is active, not passive. He made them to create, to have dominion, to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue and to work and keep the garden. So they were designed to work, to do something. They weren't designed to just lay around. And trust me, those of you who think that you would prefer to just lay around and do nothing, you don't. Because if you did, you'd be depressed. And we think that's what we really want. No, we just want to get to a place where we're financially well off enough that we can just lay around and do nothing. No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd be depressed. Why? Because you're outside of God's will and plan for your life. There's a time to rest and vacation and do that. But there's also a time to work. You were created to do something. Now hear me today. I don't care if you're 9 or 99. God still wants you to be doing something. You were created as a human to do something, to, to rule, Genesis language, to be fruitful, to multiply, to work, and keep it, whatever it is. You're designed to do that. And, and God planned for all of us to do it, to work it and keep it. So we see that we're all created to work. Now, that work is so important, and some of the things we shared last week. Now, I'm just giving you a recap of last week so we can jump off for where we need to go today. That work that God has created us to do, no matter if we are a preacher or a barista at Starbucks, whether we're a lawyer or a teacher, whether we're a mechanic or a painter, whether we are an IT guy or whether we work and we cut people's hair, that work to God, if it's for him, is worship to him. We shared this last week, and maybe you guys were so quiet because you never heard something like that before, but all of you, your work to God, if it's unto him, is worship to God. It's a sacred calling. This is not the only sacred job that people have is this preacher. All of us in here, if it's for him, the Bible says that our work is sacred, it's holy, it's to bring glory into this world if it's unto the Lord. We also said because work is worship, when we work like that, 
outside the four walls of the church, it brings God's beauty and presence into those places, into those spaces. Now, how do you think that God's glory is ever going to get outside the four walls of the church unless we take it there when we go to work? It's not going to get there. The way we change the world, the way we affect our workplace or our school or wherever we are, is we take God's glory with us. We also said that our work is a witness to other people. When we work unto God and we're the best at what we do and we have the best attitude and we try the hardest, why? Because we're doing it not for men but to God. Our work in our workplace is a witness to other people. Your Christian bumper sticker and your Bible on your desk is not a witness to people at work. You being the best worker is your witness at work. And your work is a witness. It should be a witness. The people that know God at their workplace should be the best workers there. I should get a better amen in here. Should be the best workers there. Should be the ones getting promoted. Should be the ones in leadership. Should be the ones leading the company. Why? Because they have God on their side. And they're doing it unto him. Our work should be our witness. Wasn't that a great message last week? Okay, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're going to take it a step further. So today, I want to talk about, this is both practical and spiritual, on how do we find our calling. Now, when I talk about your calling, I'm not talking about the general sense of your calling. Because you're thinking, well, what do you mean by that? Not the general sense. Not the general sense in that I'm called to live by faith. Or I'm called to love my neighbor. Or I'm called to, to be a part of a church community. Or I'm called to... Uh, do whatever I'm, I, I need to do. No, it's not the general sense, but today specifically I want to talk about what are you specifically called to do for your work, for your job, for your career, for your vocation. What are you specifically called to do while you're here on earth? That's what I want to talk about today. Is that okay? Does anybody want to know that? Because um, I think most people struggle with this question. Now, we realize that your calling has to be rooted in your identity. Your identity and your calling go together. Your identity is who you are, and your calling is what you do. Now, your identity has to come from God. We said in the beginning with Adam and Eve that God said first before he called them to do something, he gave them their identity. Their identity was they were made in the image and likeness of God. They were to have dominion. They were to rule and reign as kings and queens on the earth. That was their identity. They were children of God made in his image and likeness. And so are you. But out of that identity comes what you do, your calling. Now, Adam and Eve, their calling was to rule, to reign, to create, to be fruitful, to work and keep it. But you have a specific call on your life to do something while you are here. Now, we realize that uh, your identity and your calling go together. Right. Now, some people will say, and I've heard this before, and it's so cheesy. You want to hear this statement? People say, well, you know, pastor, we're, we're not a human doing. We're a human being. <laughs> Have you heard people say that? It's not about what we do. I, I'm just, we're a human being, not a human doing. Yes. Yes, you are. But your being and your doing goes together. Your identity and your calling goes together. You can't separate the two. You realize even when we talk to people and we meet people for the first time, what are the first two questions you ask people? Their identity and their calling. What's your name and what do you do? Because your being and your doing goes together as a human being. And we can't separate the two. A lot of times we try to separate the two, but who you are and what you do goes together. God has identity and calling on all of our lives. And that's what makes us a human being. It's not just about our identity. It's about our calling and what we do. Okay. I know I'm saying a lot here. We're only 16 minutes in here. Wear your seatbelt because we're going to go quick. Now, we're talking specifically about what you are called to do. What's your work or your career or your vocation? It's interesting to know, you know, we use the word, what is your vocation? Or you go to vocational school. That means 
when they say, what is your vocation? They're saying, what do you do for your job? What do you do for work? That word actually comes from a Latin word, which means calling. That's where the word came from. And of course, we realize most of our English words came out of uh, a, time, a time in human history that a lot of them came from a biblical religious background. So we get the word vocation from the word calling. The, the way we use that term today. Now, so we see when we say, what do you do for a job or a vocation or a career or your work? That is your calling. What has God called you to do? Now, I love this quote. This is by Dr. Miles Monroe, great man of God. He said this about calling. Your career is what you're paid to do, but your calling is what you're made to do. Now, listen, when you get into God's best and God's will for your life is when both of those line up together. That's your career, what you're paid to do, and what you're calling, what you're made to do, lines up together. That's what I want to get all of us into that place where your career and your calling go together. Now, the problem with a lot of us in here is you're in a career over here because you're getting paid to do it and you need money. But a lot of us in here, we know our calling is over here, what we're really made to do. That's why you're frustrated. That's why you feel like your work is meaningless. That's why you're dissatisfied at work because you're just here because you're getting paid instead of doing what you're made to do. So today I want to try to talk to you about, well, how do you get the two to come together? Because that's God's will and God's best for your life. That your career and your calling could be all in one. What you're paid to do and what you're made to do is what God wants for all of us in here. Okay, let's take a few steps further. So how do you find your calling? I'm going to give you some practical steps today. Now, you have to understand this. We live in the United States of America. And God bless the USA. Come on now. Proud to be in it. Aren't you? It's a good place to live. Even with all of the issues, trust me, go somewhere else. You'll come back real quick. Real quick. So, I love America. I love the Western world. We have so many privileges. But let's understand this about calling. By the fact that we have so many options on what we could do in this country is different from the rest of the world. You realize if, if you were born in, in a lot of third world countries, you don't really have a choice on what you do. You don't. Like if your parents were farmers, you'd probably go be a farmer. <laughs> if your parents built water wells, you're probably going to build water wells. A lot of the world lives this way. I'm not saying it's right, but that's just the way it is. In a lot of countries, we don't even have those options. But in the United States, in the Western world, because of our uh, opportunities, because of our options, a lot of people that live here, we have many, many options. Now, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because we have a lot of options on what we're called to do, and, and that's great because that means more opportunities. But also because we have so many options, it paralyzes people on what to choose. Because they feel like, you know, kids in high school, well, you could do this, you could do this, and they give them 10,000 things they could do with the gifts they have, and they're like, I have no clue. There's so many options. There's so many choices. And a lot of times, especially because we live in the Western world, that could paralyze us from making a choice because we're like, I don't want to make the wrong one, and there's so many options. It's a little more straightforward in other parts of the world. It's like your parents did this, and you're probably going to do this. Or you live in a town, and this is all they do here? Well, you're going to have to do that. So we have so many options and opportunities, which is a blessing, but also it can paralyze us from making a good choice on what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. But we're going to talk about, well, how do you find your calling? If there's so many choices, which we are overloaded with choices and options on what we could do with our calling and with our job, with our work, a lot of us don't want to make the wrong choice, and that's great. But how do we find our calling? Let's start here. Exodus 4 and verse 1 through 5. Now, this is the story of Moses. He was about to go free God's people. 
And he was going to be the leader of God's people. He was going to take them out of Egypt and bring them out of bondage, take them through the Red Sea and take them to the promised land. This was Moses' call. That was what he was called to do. But notice how God spoke to Moses on how he was going to get to his call. He was going to use what Moses had in his hand. Stay with me. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Verse 2. Then the Lord asked him, and we're going to stay here. What is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. And we're talking about how do you find your calling? Your calling is going to be something that comes out of your gifting. Now, once again, Moses' call was to be a leader, to be a deliverer, to take God's people out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the Promised Land. That was his call. But to get to that call, he had to use what was in Moses' hand, which was his gifting. Now, Moses had this shepherd's staff because 40 years he had been watching sheep. He was good at watching sheep. And God said, because I can trust you with these sheep, I can trust you with my people. Because you've proven yourself for 40 years. You've been faithful. You've used what you had in your hand, your gifting. Now I can take you into your calling and you can take my people into the promised land that I have for them. But God will use, listen to me, what's in your hand, that's your gifting, your ability, your skills, your talents, your graces, to fulfill what's in your heart, that is your calling. We'll repeat that one more time. Because we're saying, how do I find my calling? God will use what's in your hand. And what's in your hand, what is that? Your gifting, your ability, your skills that he's given you to fulfill what's in your heart. That's the calling he has on your life. So how do you find your calling? Find your gifting, and then you will find your calling. So let's talk about this for a second, because this idea of finding my calling means you got to be looking for it. you got to be searching for it. you got to be trying to reach for it. Now, a lot of people I know are not trying to reach for any calling. They're, they're just going through the motions. They're just like, I just work here because this is just the first job I got. Or, or just because I'm making good money now. Or just because, you know, this and that. And, and I'm just doing what I do. And, and I'm, I'm not putting any thought into it. This is just where I work. This is just what I do. Right. Never thinking once about, is this my calling? Right. Am I using the gifts God gave me? Or am I just here for a paycheck? Most people are there for a paycheck. Right. Working for the weekend. Now, if you're living that way, I love you, God loves you, but you're wasting your life. And you're living out of God's best for your life, and you're living outside of God's will for your life. And at the end of your life, guess what? God's going to say, whatever you did with your life, if you didn't use the gifts and callings he had on you, he's going to say, I know you lived this, and you did this with your life, and you worked here, and you, you did this, but I had this for you, and you didn't do anything that I gave you in your hand. We're going to be accountable for that. If you drove a truck your whole life and you were meant to be a doctor, he's not going to say congratulations. He's going to say, I called you to be a doctor and you were out of my will your entire life on what you were called to do. If you're called to be a teacher and you end up working at a machine shop, you're going to be out of God's will the rest of your life. And he's going to hold you accountable for that. Because we need to find and search after God's call for our life. Now, once again, how do you find that? Real practical. What's in your hand? If we go there first, what's in your hand? That's your gifting, your skills, your talents that God has given you. God will use what's in your hand. He used Moses, what was in his hand, which was a shepherd's staff. To fulfill what was in his heart, which was his call for his life. And God will do the same thing for you. He will use what's in your hand, your gift, your talents, your ability to fulfill what he has for you in your heart. 
which is your calling. Now, I'm going to give you some real practical questions on how we start finding our gifting so we can know what our call is. Would you like to know? Are you quiet because you're bored or are you quiet because you're listening? Listen, okay. Just checking. So I wrote down some questions and we're going to put them up here. Here's, here's some good questions to ask yourself. Um, so you can go ahead and start putting those up if we have those questions for us. What's in your hand? Okay, here's some good questions to start asking. How do I know what I'm gifted in and what I'm called to do? So you can go ahead and start putting them up. What are you good at? What are you good at? Now listen to me. What are you good at? There's certain things that you're really good at that other people aren't good at. And some people say, I'm naturally gifted in that area. Wrong answer. No, God gave you that gift. That's why it feels natural to you. God gave you that gift to point you to your call that's on your life. What comes easy to you and it's hard for others to do. That's an area where God's trying to point to you. This is an area you're gifted in and it's going to lead you to the call that's on your life. What do you love? What do you love? Next question. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Now, now hear me on what do you love and what are you passionate about? God wants you to do something with your work that will energize you and excite you. And if it doesn't energize and excite you in the call that you're in, you're probably in the wrong call. Because if God put that in your heart, you should do something you love and you're passionate about. Now, I'm not saying everything in your job is going to be great and you're going to enjoy. But still, at the end of the day, you know, I'm right where I need to be. I'm doing what God has called me to do. I, I love this call and, and I'm gifted to do this and I'm passionate about it and it energizes me. Now, listen to me. I love you as your pastor, but it's not always easy being a pastor. Why? Because people got issues. And guess who do they come for their issues? The pastor. That's what I'm called to do. But guess what? At the end of the day, even the days that are tough, even the days that are hard, even the days that I counsel somebody and they still got a divorce, I counsel somebody or I pray for somebody and they went to heaven, the days that are, that are hard and tough and emotional, at the end of the day, even though I feel drained, I still love what I do and I'm passionate about it. Why? Because God called me to do it. But that should not just be for the pastor. That should be for whatever you're called to do. It, that job could wear you out. It can make you tired. It could stress you out. But if you're called to do it, you still love it and are passionate about it at the end of the day. Because it's not just what you were paid to do. It's what you were made to do. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. Now, now ask yourself these practical questions. What are you passionate about? What does your world need? What does the world around you need? What, what is God saying? You know, if you did that, that could really help. God's speaking things to you guys like that all the time. What, what does your world need? What are people in my life I respect saying? Now hear me. What are godly, wise people saying in my life about what I'm called to do? What are they saying? If you think you want to do this and every godly wise person is saying, I don't see it, you should listen. What are the godly wise people I respect saying in my life? That can help find your gifting that leads you to your calling. Are you okay with these practical steps? What are the open doors in my life that God's opening up for me? What is God blessing in my life that I'm doing? And lastly, I think we got one more question. Do we have one more question? Maybe. No more questions. Well, I have one more question for y'all in the back. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'll give you the last one I wrote down on my paper. The last one was after what is God blessing? What is God speaking to you and leading you in? Now, why did I give you so many questions? 
because you all think so differently in here. And one of these questions is going to click something in your beautiful brain you have. And it's going to help you decipher and discern the gifts you have to lead you to your calling. Now, I'm trying to help you find your calling. Now, how do we find it? We have to look at what God has put in our hand, our gifting, our talent, and our abilities. God will use what's in our hand to fulfill what he's put in our heart, our calling. But a lot of times our giftings will point us in the right direction to find what we're called to do. Now, I gave you these so you could practically start thinking about these things. Now, some of these are for you to just discern yourself. Some of these are questions that would be good to talk to wise, godly counsel. And some of these are just between you and God. What is God blessing? What is God leading me to do? What is God saying to me in his call from my life? Thank you, PowerPoint. Appreciate it. But he's going to use what's in your hand, your gifting, to fulfill what's in your heart, your calling. So your gifts will often point to what you're called to do. Now, let me give you an example for me. When I was in high school, you know, I took the personality test that everybody takes. But then you take the test that, that tell you what career you should go into. And so I took that. Now, with my gift mix, this is the three options it gave me. Now, it's not wrong to take tests like this because actually sometimes tests like this can give people some options to get them thinking about how to use their gifts. The three options it gave me on what I should do with my life is radio personality, guidance counselor, and politician. Sounds like a pastor to me, doesn't it? Sounds just like a pastor. That's what I got to do every week. Radio personality, guidance counselor, and politician. I got to shake hands and kiss babies all day long. That's what I got to do as a pastor. So there's nothing wrong with taking tests like that or talking to, to somebody who just has natural wisdom about it. They can maybe show you some options, but at the end of the day, you got to hear from God on what you should do. But I wanted to give you these questions so you could practically help discern and find the areas you're gifted in because those areas you're gifted in will point you to the call or calls on your life. So uh, let me give you a few examples in here. Uh, Mr. William Stumler, he's in the back on the sound. Now, I would guess that, now he went to the Stumler School of Excellence. Um, But he's an accountant And I would assume that William, his whole life, has loved numbers and been good at numbers. He has a gifting in that area. He he has a gifting of numbers. Now, you could do a lot with numbers, but his gifting is in that area. Now, he is an accountant because he's good at numbers. God used what was in his hand. He's naturally gifted in that area. To fulfill what's in his heart to be an accountant. And then that's not maybe the only thing he's called to do. But that's one of the things that God put in him. He's naturally gifted that it, in that area. And he has three other brothers. And they're gifted in other areas. They're all completely different. And they're probably not as gifted in numbers and money as he is. Why? Because he gives us all different gifts. Because he's given us all different calls. But our giftings, what's in our hand will point to what's in our heart, our calling. Now, um, I I need to get somebody up here for an object lesson. Are you guys hot in here, or is it just me? You're hot? Chad, can you turn on the air a little bit? Can I get my friend Antonio to come up here for a second? Come on, come on up. Come on up. Yeah. Okay, okay. I I won't embarrass you too much. I won't embarrass you too much. So... God will use what's in your hand, your giftings, your talents, your abilities to fulfill what's in your heart. There's one of us here that wanted to play professional basketball. Okay? There's one of us here that wanted to do that. Guess the person that God didn't give those gifts and talents and abilities to. The 
person who's 5'9 and white. <laughs> but when, when God made Antonio, and Antonio plays professional basketball in Europe. He just played last year for Switzerland. He plays professional basketball. When God made Antonio, he made him six foot six, good looking brother, who can jump. He gave some natural gifts into his hand to help him do the call that is on his life. And you know what? When he retires from basketball, I have no doubt he's got other gifts in his life that God will do with other callings. But one of the calls on his life is to be a professional basketball player. But how does he know that? Because God put some gifts in his hand. He created him to look like this, to play basketball, and he created me to look like this, to preach. Or be a radio personality where no one can see you. So, hey, thank you, Antonio. I appreciate you coming up. Let's give it up for Antonio. So, what do you have in your hand? What, what are the gifts that God gave you? What are the abilities and talents he's given you? Because a lot of times those will point to the call on your life, what's in your heart. Now, I know Antonio could do a lot with his life in the future, but when he looks at himself in the mirror, he realizes, God meant for me to play professional basketball. I just got some natural gifts, natural abilities. And a lot of times that will point to the call that's on your life. So what's in your hand? How do you find your calling? Start asking yourself these questions. What has God put in my hand? What are the gifts he's given me? Because God will use what's in my hand to fulfill what's in my heart, my calling. Can we go a little further? Okay. Uh, once you realize where you're gifted, you need to grow in your gift. Listen to Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, notice your hand. Whatever your hand, your gifting, finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or no device or no knowledge or no wisdom in the grave where you're going. He's saying you got limited time on this earth, so use what's in your hand and use it with all your might. If God has put this in your hand, what's in, what's in your hand? It's, it's your gifts. Do it with all your might. Grow that gift. Work that gift. Make that gift better if God has given it to you. Now, now you need to understand in here, once you find your gift, you need to grow your gift to get to the place that you need to in life where God could see his plan fulfilled. Now, everyone in here is gifted. Everyone is gifted. Everyone is talented. Everyone has things that God has put in your hand. That's across the board. All of us in here have that. But what determines what happens with that gift is what you do with the gift that God gave you. I've heard it said like this before, your talent is God's gift to you, but what you do with your gift and your talent is your gift back to God. A lot of us are, are working and we're working dead end jobs and we're miserable, not because we're not gifted, but because we're not growing the gift that God has given us. In, in Genesis 1, it talks about Adam and it says that he gave him everything he needed to make the garden what it was called to be. He gave him all the raw potential and gifting and talent and, and things that he would need. And he, he said in the beginning, Adam, you can make this garden what you want it to be. You can, you can grow the garden or you can kill the garden. You can enlarge the garden or you can shrink the garden. You can make this garden prosperous and succeed or you can neglect it and make it become unfruitful. But it's your garden, but I've given you all these gifts and talents and abilities to do what you want with it. Right. Now you make the garden what you want it to be. Yeah. But it's the same for all of us in here. God's given you the gifts and talents and abilities, but he said, okay, but what you do with those will determine how you grow your gift. Because right. we're all gifted in here. Right. Right. And even the people say, well, I'm not gifted. No, you're just not gifted like they're gifted. Right. You have a different gift, but you're still gifted. Amen. God has still given you abilities and skills and talents that are unique to you. Yeah. But we have to grow in our gift. A lot of us aren't seeing the potential of our work because we're not growing in our gift. We're sitting on our gifts. 
We're not using our gifts. We're not growing in our gifts. And guess what? If we don't do anything with the gifts God gave us, we won't see God's will for our life. Let me give you a passage of scripture I want to talk about pertaining to growing your gift. It's the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 14. We're going to read this parable together. We're talking about growing your gift. Once you find your gifting, which will lead you to your calling, you have to grow in it. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave uh, five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, to their gift. He gave everyone different. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant received the one bag of silver, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called to them and said, Give me account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise, and he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. First of all, that's a lie. He had a wrong view of the father, wrong a view of, of his master, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you had known I harvested crops I didn't plant and cultivate, uh, crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Now we're almost done. Then he ordered and said, take the money from the servant, and it gave it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, listen to this, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Let's leave this up here. Now, we're, we're still talking about growing your gift that God has given you. It's not enough to just know you're gifted. All of us are. It matters on what you do with the gift that God gave you. You have to grow it. You have to use it. You have to work it to become all that you're called to be in God. But notice what this parable of the talents says. Now, he's talking about money, but people that have, have studied this say he's talking about the gifts that God has given us. And it says that he gave one a, a certain amount and then one another amount and then the third another amount. They were all different amounts. They all had different levels of gifting and ability. But there was two that came back and doubled what they had. They grew their gift. And God said to them, because of that, I will give you more because you've been trusted with the amount I gave you. But then there was one that did nothing with it. And God said, well, I'm going to have to take that away and give it to somebody who will use it. Now, many of you are thinking, well, that's mean. No, that's smart. God's a wise father. If you're going to do nothing with what God gave you, he's going to give it to somebody else who will do it. He still loves you. But God will give more to those who use and grow their gift. And it says right here, to those who use well what they are given, whatever gift that is, church, even more will be given. And they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing with it, even what little they have will be taken away. 
We have to grow our gift. It's not enough that we're just gifted and we're called. We have to grow in our gift. Now, a lot of people, just like the man in the story, don't grow their gift. Why? Because they're in fear. They're in fear that what if I step out and, and, and use my gifting and it doesn't work? They're afraid to try something new or do something different. They're afraid to step out and use the gifts that God gave them. And if you live that way, you will never do what God has called you to do. Your gifts will remain dormant and you'll look at everyone else using their gifts and saying, why do they have that much? And why do they have that much? And why do they have that much? They have that much because they've been proven to grow their gift and God gave them more. But if we're going to live in fear, which a lot of us do with our gifting because of money, money, because you all know you're at your job because of money and you don't even want to be there. Why aren't you leaving? Fear. Because of money. We can't get mad at other people for using their gift and God giving them more. And then we do nothing with it. And God says, okay, I'll give it to somebody else. That's what the word says. We have to grow in our gift. Once we find what we have in our hand, our gift, we have to grow that gift. Because what God gave you is just raw potential. You have to do something with it. He gave you talent. He gave you gifts. But you have to develop that to become all that you're called to be in God. You have to grow it. What you do with your gift matters once you find out what you're gifted to do. And if you prove to God you can be faithful with it, you're trying to grow in your gift, God will give you more. God will promote you. Open doors will happen. Let's be honest, most of us are not growing in our gift, and that's why there's nothing happening with our call. Now, I want to give you a couple scenarios before we go to the last point. And some of you are probably in this category. And I want to give you some real practical wisdom and steps to take if you feel like you're stuck today with your calling, with your work. So how do you get unstuck? First of all, you need to realize stuck is a mindset. Those of you who feel stuck at your job, stuck in your career, stuck, stuck at your work, you feel like I can't do anything else, you're only as stuck as you want to be. Stuck is a mindset. You're stuck because you've thought this way for a long time. And to get unstuck, you're going to have to start thinking differently about your call on your life. To get unstuck, you're going to have to do something differently than you've been doing. How many know if you keep doing the same thing, getting the same results, expecting something different to happen, you're crazy. You have to do something different if you want a different result. So I want to help you today to get unstuck in your calling. And all this has to do with growing your gift. So I'm going to give you a a couple different situations. Everybody's in different categories. Maybe you're here. Maybe you are someone, you, you love your work, you love the place you're at, you're using your gifts, you're growing your gifts, and you feel like you're in God's calling. Great. I have nothing else to say to you. <laughs> then you must be loving this message and thinking, Pastor, this is great. I'm already there. I'm using my gifts. I'm in my call. I love it. I love you guys, so I'm just encouraging you with my message. But let's... Be honest, most of us in here are not there. I'm going to give you a couple other scenarios and how to practically get yourself unstuck. A lot of you are here in this category. Maybe you are at a job that you like. You do feel like you're using your gifts. And you do feel called to be there. But you're just not making any progress. You're not being promoted. You're not being elevated to leadership you're not really moving ahead you feel like you feel like you're stuck but you do feel like you're using your gifts and you feel like you're called to be at whatever job you're at okay a lot of people are there I would check a few things because we're talking about growing your gifts how's your attitude when you're at work I told you I'm gonna get real practical here Because maybe it's not anything else other than your attitude when you're at work that's holding you back from being promoted at your workplace. 
What about your work effort? Now, this is all about growing your gift. You want to go forward, you got to grow your gift. Does the people in leadership at your company see you growing? See you trying to learn? Okay. Y'all want this or not? I want the word, Pastor. This is a word for you right now. I'm trying to help you get unstuck. So this is for the person that, hey, they feel like they are using their gifts and callings and they're at a job, but they, they want to make progress. How about you find a mentor that does the same thing you do, but better, that's further along than you and learn from them. That's growing your gift. What if the next phases of your work requires that you need more education? Then go back to school. Bring solutions to your company, not problems. Add value to your company. Be a problem solver, not a problem maker. If you feel like you're in the right place, using your gifts and calling, but you're not moving ahead, then start doing things to grow in your gift. And when you do, you will be promoted. You will move ahead. If you feel stuck right now, start applying these practical steps. Now, here's another category. Some of you are at a job you don't like, but you're there because of pay. You're not really using your gifts or callings either. What do you do? First of all, Find out what you're called to do before you do anything. Use some of the practical steps I said earlier about finding what's in your hand, your gifting. Now, once you find that out, this is a real practical way to do it. Your nights during the week and your weekend start working towards a different calling. If you really feel in your heart you're not called to be where you're at, you're not gifted to be there. You're not using them and you're not called to be there. Once you find out, start growing your gift. Start working towards going to a different career. That could mean going back to school on nights and weekends while you still work at your job. That could be researching other opportunities. That could be looking into if you feel like you want to start your own business or company, start working that on the nights and weekends you have until you're at a place that you can step out and launch. But don't quit your job until you feel God tell you to leave. But you're not stuck. A lot of us are just lazy. Y'all didn't, didn't want me to say that. Because when I said nights and weekends, y'all tuned me out. Well, how are you ever going to get to a new job or a new career or a new company unless you're going to work on that outside of your work? You're not stuck. You can do it. But you're going to have to put some effort. You're going to have to think differently. But you are not stuck. You're only as stuck as your mindset is. I feel like I'm drowning up here. With the response level. I'm just, oh my gosh. It's gotten quieter and quieter the more I've gotten into this. So, this is a phrase that dad uses and I use. It's, it doesn't take any amount of money to kick a tire and slam a door. You know what I'm saying? Just go look. Just go start researching stuff. Just go start talking to somebody who does what you're called to do. Just go start checking out other people that are gifted in the area that you're gifted in. It doesn't take any money to do that. Start, start looking around. Start dreaming. Start planning. Start looking. Start researching. Start stepping out while you're still working the job that you're at right now. You're not stuck. You're not stuck. You can do this. But it's going to take you changing your mind, changing your actions, and you being willing to put in the extra work till you can get to a place you're leaving the job that you don't want to be at and start a new career, a new calling. 
whether that be you go to a different company or whether that be you start your own business and company, but you are not stuck, church. You're not stuck. You can do this and God can help you. And trust me, if you are hearing from God in this process, you're not alone. He will help you. He'll give you the wisdom to do it. He'll give you the strength to do it. He'll give you the energy to do it. He'll give you the power to do it. He'll give you the anointing to do it. If you want to be unstuck, you can move ahead. You can. If you've heard from God and you say, God, I know I'm not supposed to be here or I know I'm not in the right job or position or work. If you tell God, I want to use my gifts for your glory and I want to do your call, he will help you, but you have a part to play in it. All right. Y'all come back next week. I promise I'm only going to do this like once a year, this type of talk. <laughs> now, what, what was all that that I just said? All that was saying, grow your gift. Grow your gift. Once you know what your gifting is, start growing it. And once you grow it, you will not be stuck anymore. But you have to grow your gift. And God says to those who I've given a lot, if you use it and grow it, I'll give you more. But if you do nothing with it, God says, I'm going to give it to somebody else. That's good stewardship on God's behalf. We have to grow our gift. Okay, Brother Daryl, come up here and save me from this church. I feel like darts are going to get thrown at me at any second. Tomatoes. Sit down, Pastor. Every, hey, thank you. Lastly, once you find what's in your hand, your gifting, which will point you to your calling, what's in your heart, you got to grow that thing. And the last part I want to say, because you've grown it, echoing back to the verses we just read, God will bless the work of your hand. He'll bless the gifts that are on your life. It says that in Matthew 25, in the parable of the talents, that God will bless the work of our hands when we actually work it and grow it. God says that all over the Bible. That God will bless the work of our hand. If we do the natural, God will do the supernatural. If you step out and saying, God, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try a different career. I'm going to do a different calling. I'm going to start that business. I'm going to use my gifts and callings for your glory. If you do the natural, he'll do the supernatural. He'll bless the work of your hand. And how many know if God's blessing is on you? If God's hand is on your life, when you step out, you're going to be promoted at your job. You're going to get into leadership at your job. Your company's going to uh, thrive and have success. If God is blessing it, there's nobody that can stop it. God wants to multiply the gifts that are in our hand. He wants to increase the gifts that are in our hand. But we have to prove ourselves faithful with them. And we have to be using them and growing in them for God to bless it. I love this in Deuteronomy 28. This is the verse. The entire chapter is talking about the blessing of God on his people. And Deuteronomy 28 and verse 8 says this. The Lord will command the blessing on your storehouses. And in all to which you set your hand, what's in your hand, your gift. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He will bless whatever you put your hand to. Meaning if you're not trying, if you're not using your gift, he has nothing to bless. A lot of people in churches shouting, dancing, taking laps, doing nothing Monday through Saturday, expecting God to bless them. He's not because you're not putting your hand to anything. God will bless what you put your hand to, what you use your gifts in. You stepping out in your call, he'll bless that, but he's not going to bless you just sitting thinking about it, dreaming about it one day. He's going to bless what you put your hand to, what you're working on, 
your diligence. He's going to bless the work of your hand. It says in Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Use that gift. And if God sees that, he will bless the work of your hand. I got one last passage of scripture and I'll let you go. Did you guys get anything today? I know I said a lot. I said a lot today. Matthew 14. This is one of these passages where it talks about where God fed the 5,000 in Jesus' ministry. But notice what it says. When Jesus heard it, he departed there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went and saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late to send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. And Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And when they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, now why am I sharing these verses with you? Because we're talking about God will, once you find your gift, what's in your hand, then you grow your gift. You use that gift that's in your hand with all your mind. Then God will bless what's in your hand. He will multiply it and he will increase it when we're faithful with what he's given us. He will do the supernatural if we will do the natural. The thing is, most people don't want to do the natural and want God to do the supernatural. What did Jesus say to his disciples? And I'm really going to land the plane because I know you got to go to Golden Corral. Then we need to pray for you after you go to Golden Corral. So, Jesus told his disciples, because it was getting late, he had been preaching for a long time. It's scriptural to preach for a long time. And what did it say? And they got hungry, just like y'all are right now. And Jesus said, I need you to go get them food. And he was like, it is too late. There is no Mickey D's open. There is no Taco Bell open. We can't, we can't go buy food. What did Jesus tell his disciples? What do you got in your hand? What do you got in your hand? And they said, we only have a few fish and a few loaves, but there's thousands and thousands of people. Now, how many of you know, a lot of times when God asks what's in our hand, we feel the same way. We feel like this is not that much. God, how how are you going to take my life to this place with all this you know, you gave me some gifts, but it doesn't seem like that much compared to what I need. How am I going to start that business, God? I only got these little gifts, talents. It's not that much. It's not about that. If you do the natural, God will do the supernatural. And if you put what's in your hand, come on now, somebody. I need you to help me today. Into his hand. He will bless it. He will multiply it. He will increase it. And it will be more than you could have ever imagined. That few loaves and fish turned into thousands and thousands and thousands. And it said it fed the 5,000 and the women and children. And there was 12 baskets left over because they used what was in their hand and they gave it to Jesus. And when he blessed it, it says, then it started to multiply. God will bless the work of your hand when you give it to him.
when you get him involved in it. When you say, God, I don't have much, but I'm going to use it for your glory. I'm going to use it for your calling. I'm going to use it for your plan. I'm going to use the gifts that you give me, and I'm giving it to you. And when God gets it, it says that Jesus blessed it, and then it multiplied. It increased. It grew. And it became much more than the disciples or even the little boy who gave the food could ever imagine. And it said there was 12 baskets full of fish and bread left. There was 12 baskets of dock seafood left over for everybody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. With extra tartar and extra ketchup. My, my. God will bless the work of your hand. When you give it to him, he will multiply, increase, and bless what you put your hand to. But we got to do something with it. We got to do something with it. And I believe that for all of you in here. I know some of you in here, right now you're thinking, right now you're praying, right now you're wondering. And pastor, I feel like I need to do what you're talking about today. I feel like I might need to have a career change or I might need to take a new job or I might need to start a business or I might need to start praying about this or I might need to go back to school. Good, do it. Step out. Grow that gift. God is faithful. He said he will bless the work of your hand. If you're doing it for the right reasons and God's telling you to do it and you're giving it to him, he will multiply, he will increase, and he will bless what you're putting your hand to. Imagine a church full of people that all were doing this. What kind of influence would we have for the kingdom of God when all of us in here were in our sweet spot, in our call, in our gift, doing what God has called us to do, not just the pastor? God would bless the work of our hand. Did you guys get anything today? Come on, let's stand up. I stand up. I kept you long. I'm sorry. But I had to say it today. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.